You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Tonight I want to continue and finish a little mini-series uh, called A Survivor's Guide to the War of the Worlds. A Survivor's Guide to the War of the Worlds. You know, the Bible paints this picture that there's this war between good and evil and, and uh, light and darkness and, and light, life and increase versus death, darkness and decrease and God and Satan and, and you and I find ourselves right bang in the middle of it. A world filled both with beauty and brokenness. A world that has healing and hurt. A place that has love and hate. Kindness and meanness, cooperation and encumbrance, goodness and irreverence, life and death. And this is our world. And we find ourselves in the middle. We're stuck in the ampersand, if we can put that slide up, in the ampersand of life, the and. We're stuck between uh, uh, beauty and brokenness. Do we have our slide there? Because it's really important where I'm going right now. Beautiful people. They're awesome. Because who knows, right, that at one moment in your life, things can be beautiful in one sense, but broken in another. Who knows that in one moment you can be healed and hurt at the same time? Who knows that at one point you can be in love, yet at the next moment hate? Who knows that you can be kind and mean all at the same time? Who knows that we can live a life where we cooperate in one moment, yet we can hinder in another. We can be good and insult. We can give life and give death. And we're caught in this ampersand of good and evil. And this is our world. You know, why didn't God just make a good world with no bad things in it? Well, in Genesis, it said that he did. It said that he made the earth and he saw that it was very good. But then Paul says this in Romans, he says, For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequence of human sin. Right? Um, And so what Paul is saying is this, is the world was good, but then um, human sin came into the universe. Right? Sin, um, what is sin? Sin isn't naughty things, right? Sin isn't bad things. What sin simply means is that I missed the mark. Sin is anything that separates you from God, right? In fact, James says it this way. James says, if a man does anything that he knows he shouldn't do, that's sin for him, right? So sin is anything that you know is separating you from God, that's sin, right? And so Paul is saying, when human separation from God came into the, into the world, the universe even fell into this empty futility. In fact, Paul says later on, he says, creation, it groans wanting, right? The redemption of the Lord to come, right? And so, God, and so now we live in this good world, because God created a good world, where bad consequences from sin exist. A place of good and evil. A good place where place and suffering exist. What I want to show you tonight is that there is a survivor's guide that the same God that created a good world has given us a survivor's guide to confront pain and suffering. And that no matter what kind of pain and suffering comes your way or bad consequences, you can stay strong, you can have faith, you can believe for good, you can increase life, you can speak light, and you can experience increase. Amen? 
Tonight I want to share with you um, just a story of one of my guys, um, one of my boys in my youth group. Um, this young man, he finished school, did well, he had a job, a good paying job uh, during school, he was saving money and um, he completed Bible college in his first year out of school, that was all done and dusted. And then he was going to go to uni to do a business degree. Um, this kid would have nailed it, he would have started up his practice in business, whatever it was, and he would have done well. But I want to share from his story tonight about an experience that he had with pain and suffering. I want to share how he wrestled with pain and suffering that he saw in the world and how he responded to it. And instead of rejecting pain and instead of rejecting God, he embraced the pain, he embraces God and he alleviates pain and suffering. So I want to share his story tonight. I want to share two things that Kyle did in the face of evil and how he chose goodness more than evil and how he chose beauty more than brokenness, love more than hate, healing more than hurt, cooperation more than hindrance and life more than death. Because remember, we are stuck in the ampersand of it, right? We're stuck in the middle of life and death. And here's the thing, you get to choose what side you're gonna be on, all right? You have the power to bring life and you have the power to kill somebody's dreams, right? You have the power to destroy or the power to create. We're stuck in the middle. And so I wanna share this young man's story tonight, hoping that it will inspire you to do good things. So a survivor's guide to choosing life over death. Are you ready? We're gonna read from Paul in Romans. And it says this, it's on the screen behind me too. It says this. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Okay, remember we just talked about sin. What is sin? Sin is anything that we do that separates us from God. That's what sin is, right? So Paul's saying he's a slave to sin. He's also talking about the law. That's the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. These books were basically the covenant of the Jewish people. So if they could follow all the laws in the first five books of the Bible, then they're sweet with God. Paul is saying that all those rules were good, but the problem of not being able to follow those rules was not with the rules, but with us being a slave to sin. Paul says, he, he, he goes on, he says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with that. This shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Sounds like my kids here. Far out. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Check this out. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Sounds more like my life now. You know, now. I love God's law with all my heart. Who loves Jesus with all their heart tonight? But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Ah, man, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and 
death. Check this out. Thank God the answer is Jesus. So you see how it is. My mind, uh, in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Check this out. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And the people said, amen. Can you see and feel the tension that Paul has with the ampersand? He wants to live a good life, but he finds it so hard to do what is good. He finds himself doing what is bad. Sounds like my life, right? Let's be, let's be a bit honest this morning, uh, tonight. Does it sound a little bit like yours as well? I wonder how many of us find ourselves wanting to do good, but end up doing things that aren't good. We try to be kind, but we end up being mean. You know, here's, here's a thought. Maybe we forgive some people, but we don't forgive other people. And we find ourselves in the middle. Maybe we're kind to some and we're mean to others. Maybe we bring some people into our world, but we reject others. Paul finds himself in this exact same place, in this ampersand of life. We forgive some and not others. We want to do right, but we end up doing what isn't. In 2014, um, Kyle came up to me and he said, Pastor Tim, I'm moving to Europe. And I said, why? Things are going so well for you here. He went on holidays and he found himself on the border of Greece, one of the borders. And he had wandered somehow um, through some contacts that he had into a refugee camp um, of about 100 or so thousand people who had fleed from Syria and some other um, surrounding nations. They had fleed from the, civil war, from the civil war in Syria and they were fleeing from ISIS. They were, flee- they were fleeing from murder, from tyranny. They were flee- uh, fleeing from slavery. Uh, they were fleeing from these things. And so this young man found himself in the middle of this refugee camp. About 5.6 million people, they say, has, have, have left Syria right, because of this. And so refugee camps have been popping up all over Greece, Germany, Romania, Hungary. And, and Kyle found himself in the middle of one. This camp full of people who had no home, no money, no hope. And these people lived in brokenness, not beauty. They lived in a hell, not healing. They lived in rejection, not acceptance. And Kyle had come back and he had seen the pain that humanity can give to itself. He had seen the end evil. He didn't see any good in this refugee camp. All he saw was end evil and hopelessness and pain and suffering people couldn't eat people had no water and so this young man made a decision he wasn't going to come back to Australia and leave and pain there and just pretend like he didn't see it or pretend like it wasn't happening and just reject it but what this young man chose to do was he chose to actually embrace it and he chose to Not just leave the place of and evil, but he chose to put some good in there. And so what this young man did was he partnered with an organization and they started creating micro-business and teaching people how to like bake bread. They started teaching people how to create contacts on the outside world to bring water in. They started creating contacts, bringing tents in and bedding. 
And so this young man found himself in the middle of this refugee camp, bringing good into what seemed like a suffering situation. And so he starts creating all these things. And God starts turning or starts using this young man to create an alternate uh, to, to create an alternative to and evil. Instead of people living in this ampersand and only one side to choose from, God begins using this young man to bring good. What I want to show you tonight is that your pain right now, whether self-inflicted or whether inflicted eternally, I want to show you tonight that when you actually embrace it, it can lead you to live on the right side of the and. And when you can learn to embrace your pain and allow God to do something in you and through you, instead of living with brokenness, you can live in beauty. Instead of living with hurt, you can be healed. Instead of living with offense, you can live free. Instead of living selfishly, you can live selfless. Instead of being hopeless, you can live in hope. Are you ready tonight? Let me tell you, things might be going well for you tonight. Fantastic. I'll tell you what, just take a look around where you work or where you do uni, where you do school and you'll find hopelessness. And this is going to be some great tools that you can use in your workplace as well. Cool? So, survival tip for our series, survival tip Number five, a survivor's guide to the war of the worlds. Survival tip number, to, uh, number five. Two things that Kyle did, incidentally, that help him shape his world. Number five, yield to the redemptive power of Jesus. Yield to the redemptive power of Jesus. Yield just means stop. Redemption simply means to buy back. So stop to the buyback power of Jesus. Paul in Romans says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, what this scripture isn't saying is this. It's not saying that God controls everything so he can get good out of it. I think sometimes we think that because God is all-powerful and all-knowing, I think sometimes we subconsciously, maybe subliminally think that God is also the orchestrator of evil. Why is it that when natural disasters happen, we say it was an act of God? As if God was somehow in the cyclone that hit Mozambique and killed hundreds of thousands, like killed thousands of people. Like God was, God, when you look at God, you have to look at God through Jesus, right? And Jesus certainly never brought pain onto people, right? And so, although God is all powerful and all knowing, the fact is this, human sin created ambiguous pain in the world right and the universe groans because of it but you need to know that God is so good that in all things no matter if we started it or not right in all things God can create good out of bad things that's what this scripture is saying right that's what the scripture is all about what this verse is saying is this that in all things in all circumstances in all ambiguity God creates redemptive opportunities. For these refugees that found themselves in Greece, right? There's immense pain and suffering because of these random events. But out of it, a young man from Mackay gets a call from God. And for these people, for these Syrian families that find themselves in, in, this, in, in this particular camp, all they saw was and evil. But because God can come into bad situations and make good come out of it. He takes this one young man from Mackay who has an encounter with pain and suffering, has an encounter with God 
embraces pain, embraces suffering, and he finds himself in the middle of this refugee camp, now bringing hope to hopelessness. Now bringing healing, right, to hurt. That's what he's bringing life into what seems like a deathly situation. God uses Kyle to bring redemptive power to people. All because a young man stopped and yielded himself to the redemptive power of God. We have to do that too. Maybe it's in our own pain. Stop and allow God to do something new in your life. Maybe you can see pain around you. Stop and allow God to speak to you about it and do something about it right. We need to yield to Jesus's redemptive power. Now, here's the kicker, right? Here's the clause. Um, let, let, Let me say this. Jesus is free, right? The grace of God is promiscuous. Anyone can have it, right? Jesus is free, but there are clauses, okay? Like with anything. And this clause is this, that God will make all things new, right? Will make all things good for those who love him and are called. The price that we pay is to love God. Let me say it this way. The price that we pay for God to come and do good things in our life is to just yield to him. It's to stop, to pause and allow God to come into our situation. Let me tell you, when I've, <laughs> the, more, the more that I want control of my life, the more I seem to spiral downwards. But the more that I can stop and know that he is God and yield to his buyback scheme, right? things seem to go better. You need to understand Jesus going to the cross was for many things. One of them was to buy back our pain, right? One of them was to buy the sin. And so Jesus going to the cross, he took our pain. He took our suffering. He took our sin. No longer do we need to live on that side of the ampersand of the end because Jesus bought it. You don't need to live there anymore, right? We can just choose through the power of Jesus, like what Paul said, to do good things. In fact, even if we can't, God makes it good because he's that good. The moment that you find yourself on your knees calling out to God in the pain, he begins to create opportunities for good to come your way. If you're confused here tonight, stop and love God. If you're hurting here tonight, stop, love God. If you're anxious about anything, stop. Love God. If there's pain or suffering in your world or you can see it and you're burdened by it, stop, yield, love God. My son loves playing Xbox. And more importantly, he loves playing Lego and racing games. Now, I think my son's the only person in the world that does this, but when he loses games, he gets really upset. Okay, I think my son's the only one who actually gets really upset when they lose video games. Okay? He's the only one in the world. I know that no one on this side gets upset when they lose video games. No one, right? Anyway, so there's one time he's playing this racing game and he couldn't win. He couldn't win the race and he started crying. Now, as a father, I'm like, shut up, stop crying. It's just a game, you know? So I went to him and said, oi, stop crying. And he said, but dad, I can't win. I said, well, do this. When you go back into the game, get halfway. If you can't do it, pause it. Stop, come get dad, give me the control, and I'll win. Because I win every time, right? 
I don't lose in most things in life, except arguments with my wife, right? So now what he does when he's playing racing games, he gets halfway and instead of sucking, instead of crying, instead of blaming everybody in the world for his pain and suffering, right? Instead of being anxious, instead of getting stressed, instead of, oh, woe is me, my life sucks. He stops it, pauses it, walks away from the situation, gets dad, dad comes in and I win. You need to know tonight that in your life, when you think you can't finish the race, there's a dad that you can go to. You can pause the game, go get him. He'll come in, get the control and he'll win. That's how good Jesus is, right? He has redemptive power. If you just give him, if you just stop, Give him the control. I tell you what, he makes all things good to those who love him, amen. That's Jesus right there. If we can just yield to his redemptive power, I tell you, good things are gonna come your way because you need to know he never loses. Not even death could hold him down. Paul says this, Paul says, thank God. We we read this, thank God Jesus is the answer, right? The answer is Jesus. If you need an answer tonight for anything, the answer is Jesus, right? He can bring, he's got a great buyback scheme better than any other buyback scheme that ever existed, right? He will buy your pain. He will buy your suffering. You know what? Even if you're all good and you see pain and suffering, he will give you the power to go out and transform that place and take back pain and suffering, give it to Jesus and bring hope into that person's world. How good is that? Survival tip number six. Live in hope, knowing it's all worth it. Right? Live in hope, knowing it's all worth it. Paul goes on to say in Romans, he says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Right? Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Here's the thing, church. Here's the thing. The thing is this. The word resurrection only exists because of Jesus, right? If there was no Jesus coming back alive from the dead, right, this word would have no power, right? The power of resurrection is in the power of Jesus and what he did. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, Jesus faced and death, but then he defeated it and now he's just alive because of the resurrection. Paul's saying that we have that same resurrection in Christ. Meaning this, right? When you put your hope in anything else, you're not gonna get that resurrection experience. Nothing else came back from the dead but Jesus. And so whenever we try and put you know, uh, ourselves trying to build our own life and finding things to give us purpose and all that kind of stuff, nothing else compares. There's nothing else resurrected. Nothing else can actually bring you back, back to life. But Jesus, he's the resurrection, right? And we have been united with him. When we stop and when we have that redemptive power of Jesus in our world, we are united with him in his death, right? So being a Christian doesn't stop all bad things from happening to you. 
But what it does this, any bad thing that does happen to you, you can be resurrected from it. When bad things happen to you, you have a hope and that hope is Jesus. And that's what separates us from the rest of the world is that hope in Christ. And you have that. We can be in a place where, you know, in the end, we can know that it's all worth it because we can live in hope. In Jesus, you can have the hope knowing that whenever you find yourself between beauty and brokenness, heaven and hell, freedom and anxiety, light and darkness, life and death, Jesus is the only one that can reveal glory and give you new life. Here's the good news. If you say yes to Jesus tonight, maybe you haven't said yes to Jesus at all. And this is new for you. When you say yes to Jesus, your pain becomes your platform. Your test becomes your testimony. Your hell becomes your healing. Your struggle creates your story. Your vice becomes a vision. Jesus sets you on a new course to overcome. That's the good news of Jesus tonight. The good news is this, is that He has given every single one of us a survivor's guide to the war of the world. Between good and evil, you can live a life that just seems to be good, even when the ambiguity of evil happens. You can still have hope and still have joy. Paul says, no, despite all these things, despite all the bad things in my life, despite that sin that plagues me, no, despite all that, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You need to start saying, no, when those anxious thoughts come into your mind, no, right? When that person comes into your world and you just wanna punch them, no, right? Forgive, right? Take it off. Overwhelming victory is yours. Whenever you find yourself on the wrong side of the ampersand, say no, because I have victory in Jesus. You know, Kyle, despite all the pain and suffering that was around him and still is, he's still over in Europe doing um, things with, with refugees and things like this. And despite all that, good came into that refugee camp and he started seeing overwhelming victory. He's telling me stories of children that hadn't eaten food for, for days and would have died the next day. But when they came in with bread, that kid now lives. That kid's now a toddler running around. Families who came in that had nowhere to sleep, no tent, now have a tent. Now they can at least try and be a family, Right? bringing water into just dry, like literal dry situations where there's no water, bringing water and just just the, the gratitude that people have, just having those basic things. God, out of the evil of what was happening in those people's lives, God sent good and people's lives were physically saved. You need to know tonight that people's lives were eternally saved too. They had people coming to Jesus because they were so overwhelmed that people could be good because of their experience of pain. You need to know tonight, maybe things are really good for you. Go find someone else's pain and be good in their world, right? And bring hope into hopelessness. Bring help into helplessness. That's what we're called to do, church. 
They're not afforded to just come here on a Sunday and Jesus, everything is awesome. Right? No. We're called to be the light. Life. We're called to be increased. That's who we are. We're called to defeat death, darkness, and decrease, right? You need to know that when Jesus went to the cross, he embraced the pain of the universe. He embraced the groan of humanity. He took your struggle and he gives nothing back but dignity, salvation, and hope. This is what Jesus' death gave us. Dignity, salvation, and hope. Let's just um, close our eyes in this place right now. And maybe right now your story is one of pain. Maybe right now you can't see Jesus in your life. Maybe here tonight you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never said yes to hope, to beauty, to love, to good. I would love to just give you that opportunity. It is so simple to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Bible says that you're saved. It's just the start of the journey. But the point being is this, all you need to do is just say yes. Just say yes to a good God. And in that moment, in that moment of us saying, you know what, God, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna yield to your redemptive power. I'm gonna have hope knowing that this is all worth it. In that moment, you begin the best journey of your life, walking with Jesus. That's you here tonight. And You've never said yes to Jesus. It's so simple. It's just a simple, hey, yeah, I'm going to say yes right now. And that's the beginning. I would love to just pray with you tonight and just start that journey. And so that's you. Just while everyone has their eyes closed, if you just give me a quick wave. Anyone here tonight saying, Pastor, pray for me. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Put your hand down. Anyone else here tonight? Awesome. Thank you. Anyone else here tonight? Two people saying, you know what, Pastor Tim, pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus. Anyone else here tonight? Saying, Tim, pray for me. Awesome. Let's just keep our eyes closed. Maybe let's just all pray this together, hey? And let's just encourage those who put their hands up tonight. Let's pray this together. And for those who put their hand up, you know, just say this, you know, mean it in your heart. That's all that God's asking for. So let's just say this together. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, paying for my sins, giving me a fresh start. Today I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me for going my own way. Today I repent. Be the Lord of my life and with all of my heart, I'm gonna find out what pleases you. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for those two people tonight that said, yeah, that's awesome. Woo! So cool. So good. All right, stop, yield. Hey, here's the challenge for the rest of us now. Let's all stand up. All right, that's the first challenge, standing up. <laughs> challenge accepted. Challenge is this, right? Can I be honest? Life's going pretty well for me right now. I feel good. Things are going good. But you know what the danger of that is? The danger is that I can, that I can get comfortable. Right, that's the danger. That I can get comfortable in the goodness of God. <laughs> but here's the thing. Jesus came to be shared, right? Let me tell you, Christians should be great sticky beaks, I reckon. My mum used to always say, don't be a sticky beak. I reckon Christians we should be. We should be saying, hey, how you doing? How you really doing? <laughs> you know? Hey, do you need anything in your life? Like, can I pray for you? You know? 
let's go find pain to alleviate, hey? Let's do it. Amen? Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for this church. Lord, those that are here tonight, those that aren't, those that are listening on the podcast, or wherever they are in the world, I just pray right now that your Spirit would begin to speak to us more and more, God, about our calling. Lord, we love you, God, and we know that we're called according to your purpose. And so that means, Lord, you said it. It's a promise, God, you said it. You said that you would turn all, that you would make all things good. And so, Lord, we're praying right now. We're asking you, we're seeking you, God. Turn bad things good in this city of Ipswich, God. Turn bad things good in this nation, God. Give us the capacity to turn evil things into godly things in this, in this universe, God. Use us. We love you, God. We're called. Let us hear your voice tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, why don't we sing this song tonight? Thank you for listening to this podcast. 